I didn't give handouts this morning, so if you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 38. Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 38. I'm reading from the New King James Version. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow, from you do not turn away. We need this sermon. Breaking news. In America today, we have a lot of folks who are trying to take the law into their own hands. With a new year approaching, we need to reflect and remember and reform some things that happened in 2014. Many people in our country have been trying to take their pound of flesh. One did just that. On December the 20th, New York City policeman Rafael Ramos, who's 40 years old, and his partner, Officer Wenjian Liu, Liu, 32, they probably never saw their attacker as they were shot execution style in the front of their squad car in Brooklyn, New York. One witness had told the New York Daily News that the two officers didn't stand a chance. Ramos was sitting in the car's driver's seat and Liu was in the front passenger seat when they were ambushed by Ishmael Brinsley. A week before the policemen were shot, there were protesters shouting, We want dead cops. These protesters were across the country, even in Nashville, protesting the deaths of Michael Brown in Missouri, Eric Garner in New York. Both of these men died resisting arrest at the hands of police officers. On the 20th, Brinsley had earlier shot his ex-girlfriend in the stomach and then put on Instagram, I'm putting wings on pigs today. They take one of ours, let's take two of theirs. Hashtag, shoot the police. Hashtag, rest in peace, Eric Garner. Rest in peace, Mike Brown. This may be my final post. I'm putting pigs in a blanket. If you'll notice, in five hours, there were 173 likes. That's more than in our audience today. After Brinsley committed suicide on a subway platform not long after or far from the shooting, many took to social media in support of Ishmael Brinsley. One said, Ishmael Brinsley, true martyr. The war is on. This is only the beginning. Another said, 
the blood is on the hands of racist America. Hatred brought you hatred, so blame yourself. They, the police officers, deserved to die. Rest in, rest in peace, Ishmael Brinsley. And then here's another. When people can't get justice from the system, what should they do? You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away. And I want to ask a simple question today. Ask and answer a simple question today. Vengeance is whose? Vengeance is whose? Vengeance is explained by Jesus. If you look at your Matthew passage... Here in His Sermon on the Mount, Jesus doesn't take away from the law. He explains a passage that the Pharisees and the scribes got wrong. The religious teachers of the people in that day, they taught in ignorance and they left in their wake ignorance. This passage was never meant for the common Israelite. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth came from the law located in the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy. The context was for the priest who presided over felonious and misdemeanor laws that were broken. An eye for an eye applied to the corporate and civil disagreements that arose between, between Israelites judged by the priest and the Levites at that time. The rule of law decided by one whom God put in charge. Exodus 24 21 verse 24, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Deuteronomy 19.21, your eye shall not pity, life shall be for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. These were laws for criminal and civil courts of that day, not the common man for him to do as he pleased. As the Pharisees taught... In fact, the law of Moses forbid personal vengeance. Luke, excuse me, Leviticus 19, verse 18, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's what the law told the common Israelite. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm the Lord. I'm the one who sets the rules. Jesus sets the law straight. In his Sermon on the Mount. Wise Solomon would concur. Proverbs 20 verse 22. Do not say I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and He will save you. Proverbs 24 verse 29. Do not say I will do to Him just as He has done to me. I will render to the man according to His work. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't act like that. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament... Vengeance is given. Governments rule at the divine 
will of God. And they bear the sword to take vengeance on the earth now. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. And I want you to notice how God gives the authority to take vengeance on this earth. Romans chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. That includes all of us. Everybody in America needs to read this verse. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that that exist are appointed by God. Verse 2, Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be afraid, unafraid of the authority? If you, do you want to not be shot by the police? Do you, not want, do you not want to be put in a chokehold by the police? Well, do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For He is God's minister to you for evil, bad, No, for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. If you do evil, be afraid, for He does not bear the sword in vain, for He is God's minister and avenger. Notice, He's God's minister and avenger. He's the one who's going to take revenge to execute wrath on Him who practices evil. Jesus in His sermon and Paul in His letter to the Romans don't give a new command, they just explain an old one. A very old one. Don't resist. And if confronted, react by doing good. That's the basis of their teaching. A perfect illustration, and vengeance here is illustrated, is in 1 Samuel chapter 24. Please turn your Bibles there. 1 Samuel chapter 24. We're basically going to read the chapter together, okay? 1 Samuel 24. A perfect illustration is given of vengeance handled correctly here in 1 Samuel 24. By this chapter, Saul has tried to kill David three times. By the time we get to chapter 24, Sam, uh, excuse me, Saul gave his daughter to David as a wife and then gave her to another man. Saul has forcefully separated David from his best friend, Jonathan, Saul has hunted David across the country. He's made David an outlaw. He's made David hide in the shadow of his enemies. If anyone had a grudge, it was David. If anybody had a payback coming, it was Saul. Revenge served cold would be on the minds of any of us caught in the same situation. But notice... A wonderful example, 1 Samuel 24, beginning with verse 1. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Saul had been pursuing David, but he's told of, of the Philistines who had invaded his land. And he turns and he deals with those Philistines, but then he continues to pursue David and his band of 400 men. David is hiding in the wilderness of En Gedi, an oasis covered with hundreds of caves. Verse 2, Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel, went to seek David and his men in the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave. 
And Saul went in to attend to his needs. Now David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Of the hundreds of caves in in Gedi, in, in the area, Saul chose the one with 400 warriors in it. While Saul was taking care of his business, verse 4, Then the men of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. While David was in the cave, David sneaks up and he cuts off some of Saul's robe. And, you know, vengeance was his. Saul's life was in his hands. Saul's life was just inches from being destroyed. David had a knife in his hands. All he had to do was just go a, a few inches more and kill the man. If he had killed the man, this, he would have been rid of his major enemy. This man had disrespected them, him. This man had talked bad about him. This man had took his wife from him. He had made him run from all that he loved. And, you know, what do we do if somebody cuts us off in traffic? What do we do when a brother or sister wrongs us in some way? David, how would you feel if you were David at this point? After all that Saul had done to you. Now, it happened, verse 5, afterward, this is how David felt, that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. David had a tender heart. And he said to the men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Notice, David also arose afterward, went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the king. And when Saul turned, uh, when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of the men who say, Indeed, David seeks you harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, for He is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you. Yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dog? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have now shown this day how you have dealt well with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away into safety? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done this day. Was David a man who deserved his vengeance? So did Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 For what credit is it if you are beaten for your faults? You take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, that is commendable before God. 
For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus Christ was beaten for no reason. He was hung on the cross for no reason, except for you and me. That's the reason. Did Jesus deserve vengeance? Yes. Did he take it? How about Stephen? Stephen deserved vengeance, didn't he? Acts chapter 7, verse 59. And they stoned Stephen, and he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice. Notice he's doing this while people are throwing large rocks against his body. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Our... Ancient brothers and sisters, the Hebrew Christians, they deserved vengeance. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Let's briefly and, and, and quite easily apply the New Testament of the New Testament teaching on vengeance to the Christians, those sitting here in this audience today. This teaching is not to those outside of Christ. They will be judged. By it, they'll be judged by God's words, by the words of Jesus, and it would benefit the whole world by following the teachings of Jesus Christ. This would help the whole country if it was followed. But you who are Christians, apply this to your lives right now today, and let's make our world a better place as we walk out. All right? Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I have it on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is writing to Christians when he judges their sin. This is to Christians. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. Not even to eat with such a person. Go to the verse 12. For what have I to do with those judging those... For what have I to do with those... Excuse me. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Notice, we are to judge those inside of the church. Do we understand that, Fountainhead? We are to judge those who are inside our fellowship. God judges those outside. Amen? 
God judges those outside. We are to judge those inside. Now go over to chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? That's Christians. And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge in the smallest matters? Do you not know that we will judge angels? We're going to judge angels, church. How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life... Do you appoint those who are at least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. It is so that there is not a, is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one, who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Now therefore, it is already an utter failure for you to go against law, to go to law against one another. Why do you not Rather, accept wrong. Why do you not let yourselves be cheated? No, we want an eye for an eye. We want a tooth for a tooth. We want a fingernail for a fingernail and a foot for a foot. And that's the way the church is run. Breaking news. But it can't be so. That's not the way God wants it. That's not the way God wants us to go out into the world and conduct ourselves. We are the quickest to look for vengeance. He says, verse 8, No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do this to your brethren. We are the quickest to go for the juggler. We are the quickest to point out the fall without helping the fallen. I'm preaching to the preacher. Whose is vengeance? Whose is vengeance? We know it's breaking news for the rest. Vengeance is God's. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30, For we know Him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge His people. Vengeance is God's. When ISIL is at your door, when your daughter or granddaughter or niece or wife or mother is sold into slavery, when someone puts you down for the color of your skin or stands or, 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 or puts you down for the stands that you make in life, how should you act? How should we act as Christians? When when the ones you love most hurt you the deepest, what should you do? Well, behave like a Christian. That's what we should do. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 9. This is how Christians are supposed to act. When we leave here today, let's make it our, our goal to act like this. If you're a Christian, let's, let's, let's all pledge to do this, alright? These, these are positive and proactive commands that we can do. We can actually do something about what's going on in our world today. And here's what we can do, alright? 
Let love be without hypocrisy. Don't be a hypocrite. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. We are to give preference to each other. If I want to do something and my brother wants to do it a different way and it's not against the Bible, brother, we're going to do it your way. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. How's our prayer life? How's it been for you in 2014? Make it a resolution this year to pray more in 2015. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need more prayer. Maybe we need to tell God what we want. You know, the elders and the deacons were sitting in their meeting, this last meeting, and it was decided that this year, 2015, we're going to tell each other what we want. We're not going to let everybody guess what we're trying to do. We're going to say what we want. Repay no one for evil. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. And that's going to be hard to do, isn't it? But we've got to do it. We've got to swallow our pride and we've got to do it. Have regard for good things in the sight of, of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, and how you act depends on each you, right? How I act depends on me. Live peaceably with all men. Do what it takes to live peaceably with all men. If it means that you've got to get on your knees and beg somebody for forgiveness, even though you've done nothing wrong, do it. Live in peace with each other. Be the bigger person in 2015. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you will heap coals of fire upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We have our government. We have our soldiers. We have our Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, National Guard. We have the policemen on the street to take care of the day-to-day vengeance that's out there in the world. Christians ought not act like that, though. We're not supposed to take personal vengeance. One of these days after we have been persecuted by those who threaten us, make fun of us, confuse us, tell us that New Testament Christianity cannot be attained today, who say that they want Jesus but say no to the church. They say no to His body. One of these days, those who fill the world and our minds and the minds of our children with false teaching and tickle our ears, one of these days, will be helped and will be given rest. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 Verse 7 says, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, notice, taking vengeance 
on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His power. Vengeance is whose? Vengeance is God's. And He's going to take vengeance on whom? Well, number one, those who don't know God. But rest assured... Rest assured, church, you, you can know God today. You can know God today. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Now, by this we know that we know Him, God, if we keep His commandments. We know God by obeying Him. And God is going to take vengeance on those who do not obey the gospel. The gospel, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do you obey that gospel? How do you obey the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 6, verse 1. You can obey the gospel today. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism that into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead, death, burial, resurrection, by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Breaking news, folks. Breaking news. Vengeance is God's, but He does not want to take vengeance on any one of us. He doesn't want to do that. He would rather you become His child. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering. God is patient. God doesn't want us to perish. He wants us to repent. I hope it's breaking news when you walk down the aisle today and want to become a Christian. I hope it's breaking news when you, when you walk down the aisle today and want to give your life to the Lord by obeying the Gospel. I hope it's breaking news today when you want to repent so that God doesn't take His vengeance out on you in the last day. Vengeance is whose? Vengeance is God's. Vengeance is God's to give. Make sure you're out of the reach of His wrath. Come right now. Let's together. We stand and sing.